Welcome to Financial Insights COP26 podcast series in partnership with Prue UK. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Wherever appropriate, independent research, and wherever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. The value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested. The Financial Insight podcast is for investment professionals only. Thank you. Hello, welcome. Today we have uh, Angus Parker on the show. He's Global Equity Portfolio Manager at HSBC Asset Management. It's day 11 of COP26. We're nearing the end. It's the Cities, Regions and Built Environment Day. Cutting to the chase. Hello, Angus. Welcome. Going on the show. Afternoon. Maybe we could start with an introduction from you. Tell us who you are and your role at HSBC. Yes, I'm a portfolio manager, as you say, managing the Climate Change Fund, which is a solution-based investment vehicle. Been at HSBC uh, 17 years um, as an equity portfolio manager. Okay, and let's, uh, let's crack on with some of the major news items of the day. Yes, yeah, so I think the, the, I mean, there's two things really to flag up today. Um, one actually came last night, which was this uh, important announcement, um, the US-China joint uh, Glasgow declaration on enhancing climate action in the 2020s. And I think this has hopefully given some sort of added, injected some added momentum into the last few days of COP. You know, it's a clear recognition of of the fact that the 2020s is a decade is, is where action needs to happen if we've got a chance of keeping 1.5 alive. So I think this is a very welcome addition. Um, I think you'll remember probably that the bilateral agreement between the US and China that was, was absolutely critical in paving the way for the landmark Paris Agreement in 2015. So maybe that's a little bit too optimistic to see, to see it having the same impact. But I think it's, uh, it's really good to see the two superpowers um, you know, heading in the, in the same direction. Any call for action at a global scale that doesn't involve them working together is obviously much weaker. And you know, despite the, the well-known tensions that we've, we're, we're seeing between them, most notably, I suppose, on trade, um, it's great that they are collaborating and uh, not treating climate as a zero-sum game. So, this, I mean, these are really important moves because I think, you know, it's, it's about setting the political direction um, uh, and ensuring the regulatory framework follows um, to give you the, the market price signals that it can respond to. And I think these kind of announcements can only help, and I'm sure at this stage of the conference when people are probably pretty tired um, this is a good initiative anyway th- that so that was last night and then today day 11 as you say it was the day about cities regions and the built environment um it's an it's a very important area to talk about um depending on which way you cut um greenhouse gas emissions you know up to 40 percent of greenhouse gas emissions come from from our kind of built environment. So clearly it demands attention, it demands action, ambition, all the words that the UK government have been using to describe uh, this, this COP26. Uh, 68% of, of the global population is going to be you know, living in an urban setting by 2050. And I think um, only 50% of the, of the buildings that we will occupy in 2050 have actually already been built. So there's a massive opportunity now to ensure that the way we think about this particular challenge is is really um, foresighted. We know we need energy efficient buildings. We need them to be really livable places. And of course, unfortunately, we're going to need them to be pretty resilient to 
what climate change impact we may be experiencing in different different parts of the world. So obviously a long way to go. It, a lot of this is rhetoric. Some of it's turned into pledges, but it's all about actions. Um, and I guess that's what we'll be watching in the, in the days and weeks ahead. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the uh, investment perspective on what we've seen from COP over the last few days and you know, uh, what we've seen from today. Well, I think um, you know, when you stand back from, from these kind of COP gatherings in, in general, you know, there are always the optimists and the pessimists, those who see um, the glass half full and half empty. And I think every COP since 1990, um, there's been quite a lot of negative commentary, people talking about the last chance saloon or whatever. And I think even in Paris in 2015, it was mocked as, as not necessarily legally binding. But I think what the pessimists haven't you know, given enough weight to was that Paris was the moment. Um, and it was the moment for political reasons, but also because technology was, a, was developed to a certain stage where... Um, investors really began to see the writing on the wall and began to see the opportunity to make money in the next energy era. And, um, you know, you see it today in the differential funding return requirements of fossil fuels versus renewables. I mean, it's huge. Uh, so I think what we, what we began to see in 2015 and what we've seen subsequently has been that money moves faster than politicians. So, of course, these gatherings are important. Of course, as we said earlier, they're important for setting the political direction, get the right regulatory framework. But, you know, the market will do a good job if it, if it knows which way um, society and the politicians are heading. So there are going to be huge opportunities to, to find attractive commercial opportunities, you know, provided by forward-looking companies that can provide material solutions delivered at scale to help solve climate change and you know addressing the issues in 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 the cities and and the built environment is is a key one of those for example so some of the companies the kind of areas we we want to invest in and we're finding really interesting to invest in are around the kind of thermal efficiency of 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 housing and and other buildings so that's obviously about making sure um buildings are properly insulated so you can do that in retrofit, but also you can do that initially when you build build these new houses and new new buildings. It's about how you how you heat them, and obviously we've we've heard quite a lot about about heat pumps. I'm a big fan of heat pump. I've had one for ten years, um, and you know I did it purely because it was going to save me a lot of money, and I'm Scottish. Um, but it's a you know it's a fantastic way of um, heating your home if you're building a you know home from scratch. You can put in underfloor heating or whatever. But it's about building materials as well. I think there's some really, you know, if we look forward, there's some really exciting opportunities in building materials. I mean, some of the harder areas to kind of um, deal with in terms of carbon and are clearly things like steel and uh, concrete. But today there's been developments in, in wood, for example, that means it can be substituted for those, those, two, those, two, those two products. And that... You know, they're now building buildings over 10 storeys or whatever. They're passing the fire codes appropriately. So, you know, mass timber, multi-layer, multi-laminated timber with, you know, they're stuck together very cleverly, can give it the rigidity. You know, those, that kind of innovation, if you scale that up, could make a, a massive difference to, um, to the environment. So from an investment point of view, it's about identifying those kind of opportunities and making sure they are, you know, housed within a, a business that's capable of managing them, got the right balance sheet, right management, 
um, and that you can see the path they're, they're heading down. So some really interesting opportunities around the built environment. Uh, I think you talked previous episodes about transportation. Obviously, that feeds into this as well. So as we're on the penultimate day of COP, maybe we could get some sort of concluding thoughts from you on the event um, as you see it. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that, you know, over the last 11 days, um, there's been little or no debate about science at this COP26. There's been, I don't think there's been any debate about the urgency of the situation. Um, of course, we've seen the protests on the streets of Glasgow, and that's, that's really to be welcomed as long as it's done in the right way. There's been no disagreement at all about the need to get to net zero. All the discussion or the disagreements have been about the details of, of the delivery. And, and, you know, there's been in particular, it's obviously about ensuring it's a just transition. And, and if you think about it, it's, it's fantastic that actually vulnerable countries can, you know, be heard in a, in a global kind of setting um, to plead their case um, and make sure that this is that is that is what happens. Um, so, I mean, I, I work at HSBC and, it, and we're in a good place to help that process. I mean, of course, the, the historic uh, greenhouse gases um, were emitted by European countries and by the US because they were first into the Industrial Revolution. But if you think where the incremental pollution is coming from, it, it's coming from those, you know, inevitably, and it's understandable, those big population centres. It's Indonesia, it's India, it's, it's China. Uh, and HSBC's footprint can be you know, enormously helpful, I think, at this stage in providing the finance either through the you know, bond or equity market solutions to help ensure that that green transition is helping everyone on the, on the planet. So I think I've got one more question about, I mean, we're on uh, you know, it's, you know, cities and urban centres today. And I think what's really interesting about that is that it's, um, it's, you know, it's a niche topic. So... My my question is, 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 have you thought these sort of emphasis on specific themes over the days has been helpful for COP? Yeah, I think it's been quite well constructed, actually, because it, it's almost um, forced uh, different, different sectors to kind of compete in, in how ambitious they're being. And I think, you know, it's always worth remembering that addressing climate change is not just about swapping out fossil fuels from the energy mix. It's, you know, it's really about a fundamental rewiring of the whole global economy and ensuring that all the sources of greenhouse gases are addressed with affordable solutions to deliver a timely decarbonisation. Angus, thank you. These have been some really great concluding thoughts. If you would like to hear more from IFA Magazine's COP26 podcast series, please check out ifamagazine.com, where we have a dedicated section just to this podcast. Uh, Elsewhere, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or, of course, Podbean. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.